drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. Hello, welcome. This is episode 38 of season two. Season two, two. drive-by cinema. Thanks for your assistance. Paul. Echo. Uh, My name's Paul Echo, and welcome to drive-by cinema. Uh, No, hi, Richard. Yeah, go on. You, You wanted to say. And I'm Rick. Well done. Drive by Cinema, the podcast where we watch the movies so that you don't have to. <laughs> Paul, you were telling me I was that briefly. we got we got last week's movie Horrible wrong. wrong. Apparently, it's loved by critics and. and the Can I just draw up the score? Sorry, sorry to keep you waiting, but I, like, well, let's remind everybody what we gave it. I gave it a four. I gave it a six. Average of five. We've never done averages before. I think five is, yeah, a five. A five. Okay. Well, read your times are pretty much with us, but that's just one review, three out of five. I don't know why that's up on the middle of Google. Okay. Uh, but of course, Google likes to put its aggregators up there and its meta aggregators. We'll get onto that in a second. Rotten Tomatoes, give it an incredible 89%. That's IMDb, a lot. Give it a fairly a fairly rousing six point three, which is not a bad score on IMDb. You know, anything near a seven is good. Seventy five percent of Google users like this film, so it's generally really really well liked. And yet you hated it, Paul. I did. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I did. It, I don't want to hate it. It's just it left me underwhelmed. Can I just get to Ron Tomorrow's? It's eighty nine percent score. Isn't an audience score? It's got an audience score of seventy two there, which is good. More than a thousand raters. It's tomato meter, tomatometer of eighty nine percent. Tomatometer is a Metacritic review. That is, you know, critic of critic review of fifty four. Fairly not top notch, but fairly a list reviewers of eighty nine percent. So it's loved as being niche, as being cult, as being amazing, and I just don't get it myself. You know, Pedro Pascal is big, isn't he? He's, he is big. He's popular. But I don't think he does anything particularly not what he's famous for in this movie. Whereas the movie we're about to watch, the lead actor is criticised for doing what he always does. So, Is he? Yeah. Uh, have we got any uh, other corrections and omissions? You know, listen that to Pete really. on Discord. Yeah, be very active. Re- Thanks, Pete, but I've not been able to reply. He was responding to the Mulholland Drive episode. Several things because- he had to say, yeah. Well, Pete's a big David Lynch fan, a big ah, Twin Peaks that. fan. I see. As he said, the owls are not what they seem. <laughs> anyway, sorry, so Pete was saying several things. Well, he was also talking about Columbo. Yes. The detective show that you rattled on about, on and on. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was saying that it's unique Fuck because it it's a whodunit. Yeah, before, before we start, it's like, Paul, you know. Just go for it. Just say what you want to. Don't be afraid. You know, just 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 go with what you want to say. Different matter in front of the fucking audience, isn't it, Richard? Eh? Go on. He was saying it's unique as a whodunit because you start out knowing, knowing. who done it, and it's all about how Columbo proves it. None of which would probably hold up in court. Probably not. That's a fair point. Yeah. Right. So, yeah, uh, no corrections from last week, I don't think. Not, not like I can think of. Uh, do we need to talk about current affairs, Paul? I'm reading Children of, Children of Men by P.D. James at the moment. 
which is well, she's normally a crime writer, loved by like people who used to read the Sunday Express thirty years ago. I don't know who she represents these days, but her Children of Men is like her attempt to move into futuristic science fiction. Yeah, there's a film about it. Is there really? Which, but it's not really science fiction. It's just Oxford in 1990, imagined as Oxford in 2021 kind of thing. But what's interesting is it's 2021. Well, it was 2021. And, you know, so I was reading that. and I'm, It's literally, take the phone off the hook. Brilliant. I can't stop reading it. It's so good. Well, why don't we watch the movie as part of our movie Shall we do that? podcast? We yeah. could put it on the list at the very least, couldn't we? Time for the music then. Yeah. If I were to say the name of Sean Levi, Sean Levy, I'm not sure which way around it is, uh, what would that mean to you? Really, really famous director. He's done stuff from way back, what made him famous, famous first of all. But I do know he did something uh, that wasn't Ready Player One, but like it, that we reviewed a few weeks ago Free about Free, Free Guy, Guy, about uh, MP, NPC, Yeah. An NPC in a video game, yeah. yeah. He's also done some Stranger Things episodes. Oh, sorry, I'm sorry. That's where he's. That's where he's from. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, and he's going to be doing the next Deadpool movie, which presumably will also be with Ryan Reynolds, the star of this week's movie, The Adam Project. The Adam Project. The Adam Project. Now, this was my suggestion. It was a prominent film on Netflix. It is on Netflix, yeah. It's free on Netflix, yeah. It, you know, we did enjoy the Ryan Reynolds free guy, didn't we? So I thought, you know, continue the theme. And why not? We start off in 2050. Really? Only 30-odd years away. In a very spacious space fighter cockpit where Ryan Reynolds is sitting with no helmet or suit on or anything. And he's being chased by another fighter jet thing that's shooting at him uh, and he escapes by opening a wormhole with a special kind of wormhole uh, cannon he's got underneath the uh, jet and he winds up sort of crash landing or well arriving in the year 2022 where so does he escape through warp drive or through a wormhole or through a time pulse it's described as a wormhole, right, okay. which perhaps we should explain what a wormhole is. Oh, I guess you're leaving that to me, are you? I've got a book here, Wrinkles in Time, by George Smoot and oh. somebody else, uh, which was looking at sub, uh, sub-subatomic particles, I think, I'm looking at string theory or superworm theory. Uh, nothing really came out, I don't think. But recently, this last week, what's happened in physics? Big news. Uh, Tell me. Not the boson. Not the boson. The other one. What? Which one? Muon? I can't remember which one. It's actually heavier than it should be, and it's rewriting physics as we know it. Oh, God. Not again. Yeah. I have to learn it all over again, then. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Richard, what's a wormhole? I'm glad you asked, I think. <laughs> Einstein's general theory of relativity tells us that what gravity really is, rather than a mysterious attractive force that pulls It's a mysterious attractive together, force if people are wondering. It tells strong. us that 
that uh, gravity bends space-time. Uh-huh. And it's these bends in space-time that cause it to appear as though things are being pulled together. But actually, things are moving in straight lines on a curved surface. And that's why things appear to fall. Weird, eh? Powerful, yeah. Uh, it turns out that, I mean, it is it is a fact. fact of the matter is that you can't tell the effects of gravity from any other kind of acceleration. An acceleration such as you might experience going around a curve on a curved surface, say. So this is the equivalence principle. And a consequence of the very, very complicated equations that result from working out what space-time might look like is that in theory it would be possible to curve or bend space so much that you could make a kind of tunnel, a tube, from one bit of space-time to another bit of space-time. Now, in a lot of sci-fi, they use this to travel a long way really quickly. In other words, the tunnel is going from place to place. Uh, But in other sci-fi like this one, the end of the tunnel is at a similar area of space, but a different bit of time. But it's just a different dimension of the same thing. The four-dimensional manifold of space-time. Is that how's about that for an explanation? It was lovely, thank you. So apparently they can time travel pretty much at will with these devices. But right now, at this point in the film, to use that phrase that you keep making me use, we see a young version of Adam, as we'll discover his name. So Adam's supposed to be fifty years old, yeah? Or is no, he? Forty. Isn't forty. It? 30 years from 2020 to... Ah, he's 40 years old. That makes sense. And he's, a, he's around 12 or something, isn't he? Or something like that. Sean Levy, however, is 53 or 54. Oh, you think he's like... Uh, it, it is older Adam a director insertion then? Is he thinking of himself in that role? Probably. But my point is that I need to tell you what he was, what he was famous for when he got famous because I just remember what oh. it is. It's the Night at the Museum series. That's what oh, Sean yeah, Levy started off with, which were big hits. And they're also a strong kind of comedic kind of element to them, aren't they? Yeah. But when you look at this and you look at uh, Free Guy and you look at Stranger Things, there's that kind of element of transformation and, and, and Peter Pan escape into an alternate reality, isn't there? That a lot of his stuff does. So Yeah, I mean, it's worth saying as we go into this that this is really a kind of Back to the Future, isn't it? More than that. Oh, more. I, I, it definitely is a Back to the Future, without doubt. Yeah. Right. Okay. But the Thanks atmospherics. For validating me. I, the atmospherics of the first twenty minutes are just a straight copy of ET. The ET. Just straightforward ET. Phone. I never liked ET. Did you not? No, wasn't a fan. Not even Drew Barrymore when she dressed up as the ET, or dresses the ET up in her clothes. <laughs> I mean, I like Drew Barrymore, but I didn't like her as a little girl, particularly now. I didn't like the film E.T. Wow. Bad-tempered fucker. Uh, that's it, Paul. It's just Steven Spielberg's smarminess. It's oh, schmaltzy. It's not just smarmy and smaltzy. It is. It's... It is pathos of the highest order. <laughs> oh, God. It's fucking... pathos with a trowel, you know. Bloody it's, glowing it's industrial finger. levels of pathos. And the, the heart light. Really tugging at your heartstrings in uh, not a manipulative way whatsoever at all. 
Plus, really nice BMXs that look cool. And, like, a house to die for. Like, you know, Elliot and Drew, Drew who was just playing, you know. Like, when they have the pizza party and mum pussy pisses off. Like, who wouldn't want to be left alone with their mates playing Dungeons & Dragons in that house? Just, like, incredible. Uh, it's an amazing Dungeons & Dragons set, don't get me wrong. I mean, it had, like, You know, it's all the cool all things the about being a kid. BMXs. Fabulous. Obviously, Stranger Things owes a great deal to you. So much, yeah. But E.T. is shit. But Alien is shit. <laughs> Did you? Because at the time, do you remember Parkers were big at school with the fur, the fur collar? Did you bunch your Parker Haven't over your knees? Haven't we talked about this? Haven't yeah. we talked about oh, this before? Okay. Uh, and did you? Did I was you... never allowed. Listen, I was never allowed a Parker. My oh, mum would get in the real danger, yeah. <laughs> You'll get killed. You can't see cars coming either way with that hood up. Was that the reason, Richard? Uh, no, I think... It might have been, but I think my mum just thought they were common. They were common. They had a big fur thing here, and fur, fur on your wrists, and fur on your hood. Parkers. They, they were amazing. blue on the outside, and they were fluorescent orange on the inside. On the inside, yeah. yeah. And they were, they were very mod indeed. But anyway, so if you if you, if you you knelt down and crouched down and put your parker over your, your lower body, you could look like E.T. <laughs> you never did that. Your mates did that. Parkers. People did do that, yeah. But obviously I couldn't do it because I wasn't allowed a Parker. <laughs> Until long after they were unfashionable. <laughs> then I could have one, of course. <laughs> they never really come back in, have they? Like Doc Martin's come back in. Fred Perry, if you're not a fascist, has come back in kind of thing. I was wearing the closest thing I've ever had to a Parker when we filmed the mythical Panopticons movie, Paul. Wow. And I look a bright state in that. So, <laughs> sorry, Rich, we've di- we've digressed horribly. Yeah. So you were setting this out at the beginning. I said it was a bit like ET, but you said the whole thing was just like Back to the Future. And I do agree with you. Young Adam is at school and he's being bullied because he's small for his age, isn't he, Young Adam? Yeah. He's also really gobby. He's very clever with his words. I love what is it? The bullies. One of the bullies says something. He says, "Who talks like that?" <laughs> <laughs> He's very sarky in the same way as Ryan Reynolds is usually sarky. And this is what you were saying critics have roasted this film for. He's just playing to Ryan Reynolds' kind of normal traits. But the interesting thing here is that, you know, he's got himself talking back when when they meet, is Ryan Reynolds. Talking back to himself. Talking back to himself as a kid, you know. I thought it was kind of nice. It did wear a little bit. And it's a kid doing Ryan Reynolds, and he's quite good at it. So anyway, he comes through this t- t- wormhole and lands up where the kids... Where Well, he land, He goes back home, doesn't he? And mm-hmm. as a youngster, he and his mum live, who is Jennifer Garner, by the way, live in this amazing house. That's a little bit like the house that E.T. turns up to. <laughs> no, is it? Yeah. I don't remember the house. I thought in E.T. they live in your standard... Like suburban. No, they live high on Hollywood Hills with coyotes, maybe coming in. I think you're misremembering. I think you're. I'm not. I'm really not. You think of the film with the robot, the short circuit one, or something? Maybe no. In ET, they live in a a real standard kind of off the, you know, the blueprint kind of suburban, like sprawl. I think with coyotes nearby. Yeah, there are coyotes everywhere in America. Oh, I didn't know that. That's why they have I guns. Mean, this is nicer, you know, but times have moved on. So we'd expect it to be nicer, Richard. Well, similar in feel, I thought. 
Uh, was the kid playing a VR game at the start of this film? I think he was, yeah. Which we later found out was designed by his dad. Because uh, his dad uh, programs VR games in his free time. It's his better. dad, who we don't meet until don't much meet. later, is, is Mark Ruffalo. Right. It's got okay. big names in it, this film. Ooh. So the kid's taking the day off work because he's been suspended for fighting back with the bully, right? Yeah, playing his VR So game. he's in the house alone. His mum says, don't get into trouble. I'm off on a date with my potential new boyfriend, new potential new husband. Don't mess things up. And so that's when Ryan Reynolds Sr. arrives through the term, through the uh, wormhole, isn't it? That's right. And it causes a power cut at the house. Well, as it were. Except that when he runs outside, the lights are still on back in the background. So it wasn't really a power cut. I don't understand what was going on there. But he goes into the forest with a baseball bat. And there's some great cinematography here where it's like running through the forest with his torch waving around. That really, was good, actually, wasn't it? That's really good. He winds up meeting himself, and there's amusing exchanges between the two, as you mentioned. Mm-hmm. His ship is damaged. Older Adam, that is, for that is his name. And it won't let him fly. It's got some kind of AI system that checks whether he's, he's fit injured. To fly. Yeah, he's, he's injured. He's got some injury, yeah. So, guess what? He needs an identical DNA copy of himself. So he can activate his ship. So he can activate the ship. Uh, And of course, he can use himself in the past. Now, they don't seem to have much of a problem with interacting with their past selves, do they, in this particular form of time travel? No. He even asks him if, the young Adam asks him if he remembers it. But there's some kind of multiverse hand-wavy thing going on here. The two things I didn't like about this beginning is how quickly the younger one works out that the older guy is himself. Yes. Despite the fact the older guy isn't trying to give it away. And it seems to be they've both got a similar scar on their chin. And they both know where dad keeps his liquor or something like that, you know. And also the fridge. Oh, the, the, uh, the kid how can you know how to open closed. the fridge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. he does it right. That was a bit unsatisfying. Obviously, what's really unsatisfying is the fact they they don't even address the potentially huge meeting yourself issues. Now, in a they previous do, they movie, do about, well, yeah. in a previous movie, about 10 movies back, we looked at The Door Into Summer. It's very similar to The Door Into Summer, yeah. The female but female protagonist, Baddie. True. Yeah. Who's taken over the company. Okay. So really roughly, similar, yeah? Yeah, roughly, yeah. Really similar. that way, yeah. Now, there are similarities, but The Door Into Summer was very careful about its time-travelling physics. It, it is like an intricate puzzle box. How, how can you explain how it was careful about that? <laughs> well, no, I, I believe you. I don't remember because they do meet each other, don't they? Like everything wraps around on itself. Oh, everything that happened, like a Mobius strip kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Whereas in this film, this takes the Back to the Future approach of it's okay, you can mess things up because we're down on a different leg of the time trouser, or but somebody's going to disappear say, soon. They say when you go back to your fixed time, yes, which is like in some way the time you belong to, then your memories reform around you know because and you say they do tackle it, but they don't tackle it because in the quantum world, he says, in the quantum world, there's one definite version of you. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, (laughs) but that is not what happens in the quantum world, Richard, in the quantum realm. So they did not address the issues. 
No, the, yeah, the, they're addressing the issue by, by saying, saying it's not an issue. Right? They're just they're saying in the shit. quantum world, where actually you're always a waveform, because you measure it once, it's going to come down on one side of a particle wave duality. Paul, you're thinking too hard about it, Paul. No, this, they, this is they, not oh, the film. Really mess it up. This is not the well. So they do the same in Back to the Future. Yeah, but Back to the Future doesn't pretend to present it in a serious way, does it? This fact, doesn't really pretend. I don't know where you've no, got your eyes. No, the time there. travel and you know the, the meeting yourself in the past in Back to the Future is strictly played for very light-hearted laughs, and you know is intentionally hammed up. Okay, um, come I'm, on, I'll maybe I'll maybe give you that. And it's you know it's meant, just meant to make you think about you know if you're stoned. Wow. <laughs> Time travel is really confusing, isn't it? Yeah. And then you go out to the cinema really happy and you go and crack a, you know, a bottle of bub with your mates kind of thing and get stoned kind of thing. I mean, it was designed for teenagers, wasn't it? In the mid-80s. Whereas this, I think, is trying to make us take their take on how time travel could eventualise itself in the future fairly seriously. It's a bit more serious. It's a bit more, it's a bit more impactful, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, again, in in a way, this is just a film about a family, isn't it? Or a... Mother and her son. Yeah. The other thing I didn't like is how explicit that aspect of the storyboarding is made to us as viewers. Like, oh. it's really signposted. Like, I think at several points, it's, you know, it's not just about time travel. This is a real opportunity for me to understand you, a father, you, father, to understand the two versions of me standing in front of you right now, kind of thing. <laughs> and it was just a little bit too much. I thought, you know, they're going to start happy clapping and getting the guitars out and singing the praises of Jesus kind of thing, you know. Well, because Adam is Ryan Reynolds, who's really snarky and sarcastic, young Adam is obviously also <laughs> snarky and sarcastic. I kind of feel he stole the show here a few times, this little kid. He does. You're he's a great actor. But he's upsetting his mum, isn't he? As mm. teenage boys do, by snapping at her in different ways. And... Old Adam, as he's witnessing this, is starting to regret, you know, how he treated his mum, especially after their dad had died recently. In a car crash. In a car crash. Yeah, so he's feeling like he maybe ought to make amends in some way. If I could turn back time. He could have have benefited from a bit of Cher, I think, this movie. Hmm. Oh, no. You're not a Cher fan, are you, Richard? No, I'm sure you're not alone thinking that, Paul. <laughs> no, again, it shares a thing with Back to the Future in that old Adam programmed slightly the wrong year in his haste, didn't he? Mm-hmm. I think he was expecting young Adam to be slightly older. He's in 2018. He should be in 2020, I think. He's out by two years. Now, young Adam's bullies show up outside the drugstore. And by the way, what is a drugstore? It's chemist, isn't it? Drug yeah, pharmacy. Pharmacy, that's what we call them. Or apotheker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and older Adam, this is a funny moment. He's like, you know, he's giving him tips on how to stand up to the bullies, like, you know, stare them straight in the eye, look like you are crazy, serious, live wire about it, and then kneel down and whack him in the nuts kind of thing. So it was funny, but the kid messes up. No, he, he's trying to get himself, a young Adam, to be hit, isn't he, I think? I think he, uh, he claims that only by being hit does he oh, become the man happening. that he later becomes. Yeah. But then 
he rounds on the bully and threatens him and makes him piss himself. Yeah. She's all kinds of weird. <laughs> that is all kinds of weird. But it's, I thought it was snatched straight from Silicon Valley, where oh. TJ sticks up for the Richard character when Richard has bought some really bad ADHD drugs off the local kids on, on mountain bikes. This is the now disgraced actor TJ Miller that you, yeah. you stand for. I don't stand for him. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't stop me. It doesn't stop it being a really pivotally funny. Important actor. And a seminal comedy, though. Oh, no, sorry. the comedy. <laughs> the show. I mean, his personality did take over, but I think, you know, halfway through, I don't think he was, like, the star of it. Young Adam, at some point, finds in older Adam's wallet yeah. a picture of his wife, Laura. But it turns uh-huh. out, maybe, because old Adam is sad about it, and maybe she's dead. Yeah. Going to be played by Zoe Saldana, who's not all that dead after all, it turns out. I didn't really buy their relationship when she turned up. I didn't feel that it was very convincing, the love they felt for each other. Oh, really? No, I mean, they're both good looking. So, I mean, on a casual level, you could say, you know, allow it kind of thing. But it turns out that Adam, older Adam, is really coming back to try and save his wife from whatever fate occurred to her that caused her to be dead in his future. So that's his plan, is to change the past. But along the way, he goes to the bar where he sees his mum there, and he consoles her and gives her advice about teenage boys and always coming back to their mother's stuff. Yeah. It's all very emotional. I guess that's the bit you didn't like as well, isn't it? This, the uh, strong emotional content that you found so distasteful in this film, Paul. No, look, Richard, you were saying you were a big fan of Spielbergian pathos. Schmaltz. Yeah, this isn't Spielbergian because it's not saccharine. It's actually quite, I thought it was quite well done. I, I, I did find it quite moving, actually, some yeah. uh, of the, with the trowel, emotional manipulation that was applied <laughs> upon the audience here. Uh, no, in no way could you say this is sincere, Richard. Come off here. It's a time travel movie, Paul. I mean, how... <laughs> Look, just to cut away from this, did you know that Sean Levy also uh, produced Arrival? That would figure, wouldn't it? Yeah. Anyway, it's Intonisite, isn't it, Hollywood? Look, right, okay. Look, I enjoyed the cloying, overly sweet, over-egged emotion in this I can tell by your specific choice of words there, yeah. yeah. Look, no, I, (laughs) I love Spielbergian... Uh, All right, this is, I, I love Spielbergian stuff, and this was, in its emotional journey, this was a direct Spielberg copy, wasn't it? You know, Syrup and honey. Syrup and honey. I didn't mind that at all. What I, what I did mind was like the fact that I think it thought that it was going to manipulate the audience more than it, it did do, and the way it put it out front there in an explicit way. I don't think Spielberg would do that. I don't think he'd have his character saying... Hey, yeah, well, this time travel really allows me, you know, the opportunity to view you, my son, in two two different places at the same time, kind of thing. Uh, and really get to know, well, connect with you better, kind of thing. I think it's obvious to the to people watching a Spielberg film that's what Spielberg's doing with you. Uh, whereas here, it was all like in the dialogue, kind of thing. And I didn't really appreciate that. Is what I'm saying. But I did really appreciate the sassiness uh, and quite a lot of good one-liners that were just riddled, that riddled the dialogue throughout the movie. 
Now, it turns out that Adam's dad, before he died, invented the time travel that they're all using, which could be important for the plot, although for the life of me, I'm not really sure how. <laughs> Do you not think? I really feel this is so many parallels with The Door into Summer. Uh, in, in that respect, yeah. In the, the respect female, of female baddies, you know. Do you not feel yeah. that was like... Suddenly, goons attack. So these are future people yeah. arrive back on a future ship. Can I just say, right, the goons like have the ability to appear in time, yeah, like the ships do, but then they have the, the ability to not travel time travel, but to kind of disappear and make themselves invisible, invisibility cloak that isn't time travel. They also have really, really advanced weaponry. But for some reason, they decide to get out of their ships and start <laughs> shooting with traditional guns whilst running on the ground. True. What was all that about? Well, they want to give the opportunity for Adam to have a proper fight with his. Oh, it's like with his lightsaber, which is not oh, a lightsaber, but it it's is like a when you're on safari. It's like yeah, it's, it, you can't kill that rhinoceros unless you shoot it with a shotgun. This is the second movie in a row we've seen with Ryan Reynolds where he's wielding a lightsaber, isn't it? He clearly wants a role in a Star Wars property. Yeah, this is a really nice lightsaber, actually. He's, you know, he's doing pretty well against... He's, I mean, he's outnumbered, but he's still holding his own. But, of course, ultimately, there is a ship there which has guns, as you're suggesting, rendering all the goons mostly unnecessary. Yeah. At this point... Yeah, his wife, Laura, turns up Thank and God. rescues them. It's Zoe Saldana. How did she know that he was there? Because she's from the future and she came back. Oh, she came back, even though that he's gone back to find her somewhere in the past. Yeah, yeah, so she's like a time exile and he's, in a sense, following her back. Anyway, it? there follows quite a nice chase scene through the forests where there's some sort of uh, stormtroopers on floaty bikes moments that are referenced to Star Wars, I think. Fairly sure they're Star Wars references. And they, they end up in a nice little cottage hideaway by a lake. Is that right? I'm at the same point in the movie at this point. You're right, yes. Yeah. Laura has got a shack by a lake where she's been... And she's tooled it up with all this amazing kind of armoury. She's been there through time, not just in his time. The female bad guy, Saurian, I think she's called... He's going Sorry, back to right. Adam's dad and his invention of time travel to, what, steal it? Destroy it? Something? I don't know. What? I don't know, because he gives it her willingly in his no- in his normal time, doesn't he? Yeah, I think they were working together. They were like... She's financing it. Yeah. 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 Adam and so. Adam, they go back to find dad, leaving Laura, unfortunately, to die at the hands of Saurian and the goons. Yeah. She seems to know that that's her fate, but that it doesn't yeah. matter because... He's going to set the timeline straight and they're going to be okay in the future. I think that's mm-hmm. the idea. And I think at this point she has, she has a little soliloquy where she says, it doesn't matter. Whatever happens, we know that this now happened in some of our timeline kind of thing. Which was quite moving and affecting. Maybe that was later, I can't remember. So they go back, don't they, in the time plane to 2013 now. Oh, to meet yeah. the dad. God, lots of mathematics involved here, yeah. 2013. He's just about invented his... Essentially, it's a large electromagnet, is that right? He's giving a lecture, isn't he? And he says... Um, he's got enormous forces. Quite, not very <laughs> advanced, I don't think. He's got an enormous equation on the board. Oh, oh and no, he says, that one, yeah. He says, under wormhole conditions, and I think that's what he's indicating with this equation, uh, show that 
And, you know, one of your students puts a hand up and says... Yeah, all terms do that. It would take two semesters to solve semester. that. He says, oh, what, but what is a semester? It's half year. A half year? Only two semesters in American college year. Oh. And we, we have terms. We have terms, yeah. Is that... Shouldn't we have trimesters? That's what you have in a pregnancy. I think most, many UK universities have moved to a semester system. Yeah? Have they? Mm. But not, presumably not Oxbridge. Certainly not Oxbridge, no. No, why would you ask your students to work for 45 weeks slowly and progressively and enjoyably through the, through the work when they could do it in 18 instead? <laughs> and, you know, have emotional scars for the rest of their lives. It would take two semesters to solve our equation. Oh, at least, he says. Or three weeks at Oxford. What do you think of this guy's uh, didactic techniques here? Like he just gives them a big equation and tells them to spend the rest of their academic year solving it. I'm not sure he was just going to leave them in the deep end, was he? <laughs> Is that uh, how science education works? <laughs> well, do you know what? Can I just say several things in relation to this? I was watching a clip on, I think it was YouTube, about teaching kids to swim in Ireland in 1973, kind of thing. And they're in the harbour. He throws the kids down. You know, it's the harbour, so the water's at eight feet below where he's standing. <laughs> and then he's got, like, a rope around them, around their waist. And it's kind of oh, like so a they're perfectly safe. <laughs> and they're actually pretty safe, yeah. I, you know, it's obvious with the waves lapping and they're being buffeted against the harbour wall. It's not the best introduction to swim. But... I used to be a lifeguard at a swimming pool in the northeast of Lancashire. And Dave, who was a resident swim teacher, used to do something quite similar with the kids. Uh, not like their first lesson. They do the water baby stuff and sit by the pool and splash your legs and make, you know, enjoy and love the water first kind of thing. In the little pool that was full of pee but was really hot kind of thing. Uh, and with the floaty bits and the inflatable bits. And then you like, three or four lessons in, you just take them to the deep end. You know, say, you know, jump and catch this stick. And, like, they jump and try and go for the stick. And kids can actually, you know, if they're confident in water, will kind of roll their head around and go on their back and then their front and just keep their mouth above the water kind of thing. And he found that maybe 70 or 80% could do it without sputtering and swallowing water, you know. So <laughs> so it does kind of work in the deep end stuff. Kept but the lifeguards busy, though. <laughs> I don't, he, he was never a lifeguard. He was only ever a, a swimming teacher. Uh, I didn't really care. I don't think you really cared if they drowned them. Or that's why I was teaching on lifeguard. But uh, but what I'm saying is, in at the deep end stuff, I think really does work for science. It really does. You have to approach the whole before you approach the parts. Uh, I'm very much an advocate across all subject matters, all domains for whole part whole, and I'm very much an uh, advocate for test teach test. So and I think he was doing those two things. He was throwing the hole and saying, test yourself on this. And then he was going to break down the functional skills next lecture, I think, to, you know, give them some direction about how maybe showcase some techniques that they could use to move towards solving the equation. But yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that pedagogic approach, Richard. You had some problems with it. It just seemed like a very, a very poor way of <laughs> oh, expressing... <laughs> Also, what level is this supposed to be? I mean, <laughs> I don't know. Because right later on, it's like, how did they? How did he and his wife meet? They met because when she came to her first lecture at the space 
at the space school or space academy. She came to not just the wrong lecture hall and the wrong time, but she came to the wrong campus. Is that right? <laughs> the wrong campus. Yeah. And so he's at his first <laughs> space physics lecture, and it, that's where the physics is ridiculously simple. Like, okay, <laughs> like it's G M one M two over R squared. It's like Kepler's law. It got simpler over time, Paul. That's the. You know, it's beauty. They've, they've boiled it down to the essentials at that point. And yet, when he's doing, you know, that was his introduction <laughs> physics at space academy level, and uh, they're not even space academy. The people that have to deal with these fucking wormholes are they? They're just like you know, master's students at Harvard or something or whatever, or MIT. Anyway, so yeah, touche, I guess. Or he can certainly dish it out, but he can't take it. But Dad is the only one. He figures out what's happening really quickly and he seems to be the only one with any sense that they shouldn't be mucking around with different time timelines yeah I think he says that we're perverting fate and time which sounds I thought there was a joke like have you not seen that movie Back to the Future but they don't go there do they they don't try and do that kind of thing do they not mention it even once I thought no they should do of course but he leaves in fact to avoid changing the future yeah like that's gonna help and we see Saurian visiting her past self. So we're seeing mm. now Catherine Keener and a youthed Catherine Keener through visual effects. Uh, and she's kind of laying down the law with her, isn't it? I, th- I think the younger Ka- Catherine Keener here, the younger Saurian, is a bit more... Upright, morally. Yeah, is kind of naive, really, isn't, isn't she? So this is like, you know, devil and angel on your shoulder kind of stuff. I think they set it up, you know, to be a battle of wills. But it's her um, in the future. Dun, dun, dun. It's her in the future. But what I thought really what this needed was like a Marvel moment where the the theological fight becomes a physical fight. And it doesn't really. We don't see it expressed in traditional plot mechanism of a physical fight between the two parts of it. So... Yeah, a bit disappointing, I thought, in how they decided to resolve it just with words kind of thing. It just, it was just a battle of words, basically, wasn't it? The young Adam is talking Adam, older Adam, around about their dad. He seems yeah. to be very wise, doesn't he? I, think he's I, I really like this kid actor. I think it wasn't just the script. I think the kid actor made him a real wise guy, wise beyond his years. I, I loved it. It was really good. Well, I mean, all child actors can be hit or miss, can't they? Some of them can be annoying, but he really pulls it off. Yeah, really, not just really pulls it off, definitely. Unlike the guy in ET, he's annoying. <laughs> Saurian's HQ, that amazing industrial whoa. building. Whoa, 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 whoa! No, 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 no. We do a helicopter shot. We do a drone yeah. shot. Oh my gosh! Like her logos on the roof. It's fucking amazing. And I CGI, love when they go in there. CGI. Yeah, they're going there, and it's like CERN to the power of three. It's just like to the power of Google. It's just incredible. Like the ending. I think the last, the ending of the last Stranger Things three, where like the huge Russian machinations underneath the underneath the shopping mall, mm. like all the cogs explode. It's like that plus CERN. It's just amazing. It's brilliant. I love it. Well, this is what the atoms are going to go and blow up. Now, wait, wait. I've got to stop you, okay? So this is what his dad makes, like ridiculously CERN advanced, huge particle magneto accelerators of whatever kind, yeah? At his work, and he's really busy doing that. In his free time... He codes really, really advanced Oculus games for his son, <laughs> who he doesn't spend any time with. <laughs> yeah, that seems sensible. Yeah. Why not? Wouldn't you? 
Well, I'm just saying. That's what, that's what the dad's like. Older Adam has got these cool drones, and he gives them to the young kid to operate. Mm-hmm. So I guess because of all his VR experience, that's how he, he knows he can fly it. And he manages to pick off a few of the Valkyrie soldiers from the future, doesn't he? With he does, yeah, yeah. Dad arrives in a car, yeah. driving into a bunch of people, I think, as well. That moment. Now, now, he's supposed to have invented this time travel stuff, right? And he yeah. says, he's the only person who knows this equation. And Where is it kept? And it's on a special hard drive as well. On a special hard drive, yeah. (laughs) In his mind and on a special hard drive. Where's the special hard drive? In the middle of a big CERN facility that they're about to go down in the lift to. But didn't he write the special equation on a whiteboard in his lecture hall? (laughs) I'm not sure. That was was another special equation. That was just just a wormhole equation. Nothing really special (laughs) about that. They leave young Adam outside in first-person view. Drone stuff. Okay, so we're at her sort of bespoke, dedicated facility in the middle of, again, another beautiful forest. Sort of echoes of Ex Machina there in terms of the location, do you think? Yeah, in they, a way. Okay. In a way. Anyway, they're down the lift, okay? They're about to pull the plug on the, you know, the little sort of... Uh, the usual thing. It's kind of like, it's kind of like the secret uh, briefcases there in some sort of flotation pod kind of thing. And they've got a twist it out and de-entangle it from its for its support pod kind of thing. And he and says about to do that. He says through the door, is that right? Either removing it will work or it will kill everything in a hundred miles. Yeah, it was quite funny, I thought. So they do it anyway. Yeah. Meh. <laughs> Meh. That's creativity for you, Paul. <laughs> Meanwhile I made those comments last episode lightheartedly. I do believe in funding the humanities. Sorry. Saurian has captured young Adam because obviously he was outside with FPV goggles on. Couldn't see anything. Couldn't see And she came up, world. grabbed him, put a gun to his head. So there's this kind of... Using his bait and barking. standoff. Your classic standoff so they can have a chat and stuff like that. Uh, and at some point, the bullet... A bullet hits the electro- electromagnetic seal which yes. seems to be like a glass thing. And... As soon as that happens, all the electromagnetism like leaks out. <laughs> oh yeah, I forgot about that. And all the metal in the room gets sucked towards the accelerator. Apart from some of the guns that the goons are holding. Or maybe they're not ferrous metal or something. But then the eddy currents would still be significant in non-ferrous metals. Maybe. Maybe oh maybe they were polymer, maybe they're glocks, perhaps. They really look uh, metal. In fact, they are metal because later they get magnetized away. Weirdly, but this is mag- this is magnetized. Mag- I don't know, Richard. You've got to watch it again. There's something about the guns, the big guns that they're holding, and they're just they're just holding them. Yeah, and nothing happens to them. I'm just not sure electromagnetic seals work in quite the way they think they do. <laughs> well, in any case, buttons were ripped off shirts, you know, and. Well, everyone has Hang, metal buttons. Handguns were kind of ripped out of hands, weren't they? Yeah. And uh, our female villain, she meets an end by being crushed by some metal. Is that right? No. What does he say? Oh, no, she's about to shoot. She's about to shoot Adam, or a version of Adam. And the dad says, go ahead, shoot, because he knows that the there's a magnetic, magnetizable element yes. to the bullet she's firing. That's right. 
armor instead, piercing or something. It, it shoots her younger self. Yes, that's right. She's backed away to it and it shoots her younger self. That's right. So, nice ending that you kind of saw coming, but you thought was a bit too corny. They're not going to do that, but they do anyway. But quite satisfying, I thought. And then everybody disappears, or the Adams disappear. Yeah, they all fade away like Back to the Future, which is really weird. While they're playing baseball catch with one of them. That was just too sickly sweet. I'm sorry. And of course, uh, young Adam, we see young Adam going back to his his home timeline or whatever it's called. Um, it's, but dad and, dad and his future self said, look, be nice to your mum. Yeah. And he kind of manages, but he doesn't really manage it, does he? He's such a little shit. He hugs her, Paul. He hugs yeah, her. Yeah, but then he's nasty to her afterwards just to he's not be nasty. talk he's, cool about it. He's, yeah. No, oh, God, It's nice. No. And then, no. and then no. older Adam is sitting in his lecture <sighs> and Zoe Saldana walks in. And it transpires, as you say, she's in the wrong campus. In the wrong campus. <laughs> no, which is a very common problem, isn't it? You go to the wrong the wrong establishment. <laughs> and then obviously they're going to get it on. They're going to do Whoopi Sims style. Okay. Look. Right. Ryan. You know, he plays these Sims kind of Sims characters, doesn't he? You know, whiter than white, cleaner than clean kind of thing. And very wholesome. Unbelievably wholesome. But quite snarky and narky and sarky at the same time. It's quite a good mix, but I, I kind of do agree with some of the comments that, that maybe it's a little bit too samey and that perhaps character-wise, what we were seeing was just too much of more of the same rather than more of the good stuff. Is that your summary that you're summing up there? Oh, no, no. I was just saying in terms of what, you know, the, some of the reviews I've, I've seen are like, yeah, it's more, it's too much, it's too, too much. It's more of him doing what he does kind of thing. I don't know. What's your take on that? I, I just, I think it, he's watchable though, isn't he? I quite Very like watchable, him. yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he like, just, in a sense, he's doing the same character in most of the stuff, right? He's the Adam Sandler of this decade, isn't he? Yeah. No, I mean, Adam Sandler oh. is horrific, right? He's the Ben Affleck, ben Affleck yeah, in yeah, this okay. decade. That's a better comparison. Is that a better comparison? Do you like Adam Sandler? No, but he was very popular. Unaccountably. I have no clue why. And lots of comedy films, you know. That, that, that aren't funny. That, well, I think they were They're funny American the funny. They're American Richard, funny. okay. What do you think about Dude, Where's My Car? Funny I like American Dude, funny. Where's My Car, but it hasn't got Adam Sandler in it. But it is American funny and weirdly funny at the same time. It does. It straddles both of them, doesn't it? True. Yeah. It, it's a classic, isn't it, Richard? It's a classic, yeah. Now, think of similar movies like Wayne's World. Not funny. <laughs> No, it's not really funny. Bill and Ted's it? Excellent Adventure, American funny, but not funny. Dude, where's uh, my no, car? I, just, I think Bill a and copy Ted's of both funny. of them, but strangely oh. funny and American funny. Uh. <laughs> Go on, you were saying. I think Bill and Ted's is funny. No, it's just American funny. <laughs> Surely. Is it funny? It is funny, yeah. They, they, oh. After what the heck, they, they, they go back and... We- they call Beethoven Beethoven or whatever, don't they? <laughs> they? They go back and get people from the past. It's amazing. It is really good, actually. Yeah. And there's a bit at the end where they realise that they can have already done loads of stuff to prepare by doing it in the, you know, going in back the- in time and doing it in the future. It's very cool. Oh, yeah, man. Cool. We'll pass our exams. <laughs> so, like, uh, I think in the spirit of what we're saying, like, Ghostbusters was back of a postcard, Saturday Night Live, brilliance. And that that unreadiness 
that sketchiness to it made it really funny and gave it some jive, yeah. Uh, I think you're saying similar things happen with Bill and Ted's, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Because it was, it was written quickly, but by an intelligent crowd. Again, more of National Lampoon. I think America lost some of itself when it stopped making National Lampoon movies, or rather when National Lampoon movies became so terrible that they couldn't be made anymore. I'm not sure what was chicken and egg. But yeah, I do miss snazzy, zany American comedy of a very, very silly, goofy nature. And I don't think there's a lot of it. And I think, uh, what's his name? The guy we were just dissing, Adam. Adam Sandler, yeah. Adam Sandler, I think he might have been like the eulogy of all that kind of comedy. Like, Porky's, but Porky's just isn't funny anymore. And we're still going to make it kind of stuff. So, I wouldn't shoot the messenger on this one. He didn't write the movies, did he? He just started. We're not reviewing Adam Sandler anyway. Let's Stop. get on and re- review. No, what the hell are we talking about? Let's Sorry, review. <laughs> uh, seen our Paul and his, his carer, Richard. Go on, Richard, go on. <laughs> What the hell are we talking about? Help, help me. So I wanted to know what you felt about... Yeah. Do you feel that Ryan had an appropriate emotional range written for him? And do you think it was too much of the same? Or do you think he went places here that he didn't necessarily go in Free Guy? It's a different role from Free Guy. Okay. He he plays it differently. He's he's got a sharper edge to it than Free Guy. Sharper, he's... Yeah. And yet, this is very much like a kid's movie. It is a kids movie, but I, th- I agree with you. I think Ryan here is is well, obviously it's not a computer animated GIF, so he's much more sensual. He's maybe more sexual. He's certainly more aggressive, and he's certainly a re- much more real character, isn't he? I I thought it was great portrayal. I just didn't like some of the overly Spielbergian emotions with trial moments that the movie delved into, perhaps regrettably. Mm. But I like the other Spielberg aspects to it. It's not Spielbergian, it's Z- Zemeckian. Zemeckian. It, oh, it's really Zemeckian, yeah. Okay, it's really fun in the way that Zemeckian, Zemeckis is fun in a way that Spielberg isn't, isn't it? Yeah. It's got that kind of Zemeckis, again, zaniness, energy and pizzazz, I think, that Spielberg never had. But it does have that kind of... The, I think the beginning bits are quite Spielbergian, you know, with the flashlight in the forest... Really, you might say almost cliche, but moving fast enough. Like Spielberg really keeps the action moving, doesn't he? You know, moving fast enough in terms of seconds and minutes, uh, a film reel to stop it feeling corny. I th- yeah, I don't think this first bit is Zemeckian. I think it's it, it's a mishmash. I'd agree that fifty percent Zemeckian, but I'd say there's a good twenty percent Spielberg in there, aside from the schlocky, sugary pathos. Let's do the acting. And Brent. give it a score. Acting, I'm going to score it eight. The kid was brilliant. I know, I knew you'd love the kid. The kid, no, seriously, for kids actors, he's done a really good job here. Just amazing. I it's don't just know got a cracking it. cast. It could be he's just being It could be the kid is just being himself. It happens sometimes, or he might just be a really good actor. And Ryan Reynolds pulled it along. Eight for me, Richard. Ryan Reynolds, Jennifer Garner, Mark Ruffalo, Zoe Saldana, Catherine Keener. It's, it's a stellar cast. Really good. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'll give it an eight as well. No no question. Good. What about the plot? Ignoring uh, time travel issues, which we'll deal with in a separate area. Oh, right. Okay, time travel separate. Well, it's trying to be modern day back to the future for kids. You know, kids these days don't, don't want to go back to 1986, do they? Because 
Who remembers it? In Back to the Future, the future is already here and it's not like how it is. We don't wear two ties and that kind of stuff. So we need a new Back to the Future. This is it for the next 30 years until this one's old hat again. I, I don't know Back good. to the Future's old hat. I think Back to the Future still works. Well, it doesn't because the future and Back to the Future has happened. It's already gone. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. And also... We, we don't have flying wakeboards, whatever you call them. Hoverboards. And also, the 1950s isn't the past for us anymore, is it? It's, well, it's, it's like it's like ancient history. It is. It's 75 years ago. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, like, it's like older than the First World War was when I was a kid, kind of thing. Yeah, it's crazy long time ago, isn't it? It's like black and white sepia prints ago. Wow. Amazing. So, what did we say about plot, Richie? You haven't scored it. Oh, I'll give it. A, I'll give it a seven. It's solid. It's a solid, uh, you know, family makeup movie, really, isn't it? I thought this is really well timed. All of it. it fitted together well. There wasn't any part where I was thinking the lol is too long or there's too much unadulterated Marvel action. Like the fight scenes were relevant here. They slotted into and you know moved with the dialogue and the plot. Uh, it felt that they came in wave. The action came in waves, and was sustained. But you knew it was going to end within five minutes. Rather with Marvel, it's like, oh god, twenty-seven minutes of this is—is is this fight going to end within the next three minutes? I'm not quite sure. Uh, which is also terrible watching Marvel movies at the moment for me, anyway. And it's uh, not so too I, long. It's not too long. The whole film brilliantly paced. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to score it a nine for plot. Oof, man. Yeah. Okay. What's our next category? Well, it has to be the science and the time travel, I think. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty weak, isn't it? I mean, the time travel is <laughs> now, kind Now, you of... had no problem with, sorry to interrupt, but Dorian to Summer, you thought that was all perfectly well dealt with, the fact that, you know, he's appearing in front of himself. A Dorian to Summer fits together perfectly like a puzzle box or a, a, cl- a piece of clockwork. But this Why just hands away, hand waves it away. And the other thing is, I'm not really sure what the... Uh, one reason why I didn't plot it higher yeah. than a seven is I couldn't really tell you what the aim of the bad guy was. What they, What's she trying to do? Can you explain? She's just there to observe and to stop it if it all gets out of hand. She knows that they're, you know, they're, they're scooping scooping their ships through time, whatever, and they're time, time, time elopers kind of thing. So she'll take away. You think she's a time cop? Yeah, she's a time cop, yeah. No, you, you've got that badly wrong. I know, but go on. <laughs> Well, that's a failing of it all. So I'll give it a six for the sciencey timey crap. I didn't like the science in this. I, I, I loved the effects, which we'll come to later, I guess. Okay. Science fiction effects, particularly like, you know, the CERN style underground laboratory. I just was wowed out by it. But in terms of the science and how it's represented in the movie, it has to be a low score. It has to be a six. I'm sorry. So we'll effects. do. Special effects and uh, architecture. <laughs> yeah, it has to be a nine for me. Brilliant. Loved it all. Really loved all the whizzing, kind of huge electromagnetic, mechanical whizzing machines. Oh, I'm not sure how necessary all that is, but in real terms, to make try and, tra- try and travel happen. But Richard, what do you think about it? It is good, but I'll give it an eight. It's not nine worthy, but I'll give it an eight. Yeah. Final score for me is a really respectable and must go and watch 8.5. I'll give it a solid eight as well. It's wow, brilliant kids Not easy movie. For Richard, eh? It's a brilliant kids movie, isn't it? 
I, I would say it's a family movie. I mean, you family can watch movie, this without yeah. kids. You don't need kids to be there. Well, thank but goodness, because I didn't have one. Well, a lot of it is directed to, you know, to keep to make the kids go, wow. But I think the dialogue and the story is snappy enough for it oh, to yeah, be watched yeah, yeah, yeah. on its own. It, it wouldn't bore an Great action movie. Yeah. It's a great action movie, you know. So, so yeah. Definite recommend. Do go and see it. Richard, I mean, therefore, we have to say, if we're finished on this great movie, go and see. It yeah. is The Adam Project. Uh, what are we watching next week? I have a suggestion, but I don't think you're going to go for it. Children of Men, P.D. James, based on the novel by... Uh, a movie, apparently. I'm not entirely sure. But I heard that you had some suggestions, but I'm not quite sure what they are. Well, I don't know why, Paul, because I've put them all on the shared list that you never look at. <laughs> that I never look at. I'm really sorry. I've got lots oh. of suggestions on the shared list, but... Um... He's, he's embarrassing me. He's, <laughs> I'm being humbled because I'm shit. Go on, Richard. Tell me how shit I am. What have I not looked at? I get confused. Is it on Keep or is it on Blooming Docks? Tell me now. It's it's on keep. Oh, it's on keep. It's on keep. I I will endeavour to to check it out. Go on. You were saying, Rich. I was thinking we should go back to horror next with... Italian horror. A British horror that's gained some recognition. It's a zombie movie. Called Under the Skin. I'll look what Under the Skin is. 2013. Oh, wow. Uh, therefore, I kind of want to go with your horror, Richard, if that's okay. Yes, Under the Skin. Yeah, Under the Skin. It's going to be episode handsome. number 38. Is Excellent. she fit, maybe? She's Black Widow, Paul, in, in Marvel. Oh, of course. Until Claim the them. next time. Episode 38. Join us then for Under the Skin. No, it'll be episode 39, I think. Oh. Oh, well. Did I just do a boo-boo? I just did a boo-boo. It's going to be correction. <laughs> Bye. As if I don't do this often enough. See you next time. Ciao for now. Bye-bye. Thank you.